0: In its original director's cut of three hours, Michael Mann's The Keep was always going to be played with studio issues. Entirely far too weird in premise and tone and distributed by a studio who insists the movie be no longer than two hours in length before cutting an additional 30 minutes after a poor test audience reaction. The Keep is a movie that could have basically finished the director's career of Mann before it even truly got started. Uh, and I can't help but think if it was his first movie, it may have done just that. I'm Andy Blockley and I'm Duncan McLeish and welcome to Opera Omnia. at this place. Who knows for sure. This place was not built to keep anything out. This place was built to keep something
1: Not stay here.
0: Something has been released. Something. Did you
1: find what you were looking for? Did you expect to find me?
0: What are you? Whatever kills us gets in anyway. Nothing we do, no security works. Welcome back to episode two of Opera Omnia. So we're looking at Michael Mann in this season. um, And his second movie is a strange little horror movie from 1983 called The Keep. Um, What to say about this? It's a really strange choice from a director. I'm assuming hopefully most of our listeners will have watched episode... Sorry, listened to episode one now and probably watched Thief. And what a strange second movie, Duncan.
1: Yeah, this is... This is... (laughs) Yeah, this kind of hurts my head a little bit, really, because especially if you're doing them in order, um, and I know we're we're gonna we, when we're going to discuss the movie review, we're gonna get into this one. But really, if you are gonna if you have no context for this, and uh, you hear what we say about this movie later on in this episode, um, or hear the plot of this story, or anything, you would genuinely think that this was some sort of weird eighties horror movie by a director who probably made one movie and then disappeared and it couldn't be further from the truth. The people that were involved with this project are some heavyweights of cinema. Um, mm. Not only in the directing chair but actors. Once again the score by Tangerine Dream. Um, for all intents purposes what we should be sitting down to watch and is like some sort of kind of modern masterpiece. And uh, I, I want to keep my cards kind of close to my chest here. Um, yeah, th- this movie may not live up to what <laughs> the, the the very high benchmark that
0: Thief set out. Well, uh, I thought um, for no particular reason other than I just hadn't looked properly. Um, I actually thought this was his first movie, and I think maybe it's because I watched the I watched the key. And then I watched Thief and I think I just assumed that there's no way Thief could have been his first film. <laughs> so that's just my fault. Um, but, you know, when you watch a movie like The Keep and then you watch a movie like Thief kind of side by side, which I, which we did sort of for this. I did anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a bit confusing. Because I'm not saying The Hidden is necessarily um, a bad, sorry, The Keep, The Hidden. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad movie. All the ingredients seem to be there. It just doesn't kind of fit together in the same way that you probably think it would, given all the cast and the director involved. Do you want to do a brief synopsis of this, just so people know what The Keep's about?
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, (laughs) The Keep, Um, on its briefest synopsis is basically Nazis are forced to turn to a Jewish historian to help in battling an ancient demon they have inadvertently freed from its prison
0: yeah simple (laughs) as that really Um,
1: yeah that's that's it in a nutshell
0: kinda it's, yeah, it, uh, could, it could have been one. I mean, this, to be honest, would not seem out of place on the Video Nasties list. Totally, <laughs> and it's not because not because it's it is a nasty movie, but just basically taking into account what we said on the last episode that a lot of the films that ended up on that list they just shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. What I mean is the tone of this movie and the type of movie that it is and the year that it came out. I can totally see us doing this on the on the, on the Nasties list. And it would have been one of them films that we kind of look back on and said, well, that should never have been on the list. However, it also had the potential to be one of those kind of quirky, kind of cool 80s movies that you probably watched as a kid and thought was pretty good. And I think if I did watch this as a kid, I might have held this in slightly higher regard. But as I kind of watched this for the first time as an adult and I knew it was Michael Mann, so my expectations were probably a little bit high. It just kind of falls short, doesn't it? Because it's a little bit of a mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you touched on some of it and your um, your intro there. I mean, originally Michael Mann's cut of this movie is like his original intended cut was three hours long, which is which fucking-
0: is staggering. I mean, <laughs> is that knocking around somewhere? Is that like can can you get that? Well, this is this is the thing. This is the,
1: there is um, as it currently stands, this movie made its way to VHS. It made its way to DVD. it has never made its way to Blu-ray. Michael Mann has. Currently disowned the movie uh, from his from his back catalogue. I can kind of, on some level, I can kind of see why I did that because his experience making this movie seems appalling. Like um, he did a three-hour movie. The studio Paramount Studios uh, demanded that the movie be no longer than two hours, so he cut an hour out of his movie to make it a two hour movie. Paramount Which is a
0: hell of a lot, isn't it? Of course, you know, it is. A of course, director, it is. it's like uh, you know, someone chopping you, you, you know, you lovingly sit and create a song in a studio and they chop it in half. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, that's half of my you know, you can't do that. And how do you do that as a director as well when you've told a story? Yeah. How do you get rid of like a third of that?
1: It must be it must be whole sub stories removed. Um, yeah, you know, like there there are talks of, and we'll get into it later on. But there's a particular scene where you see the aftermath of the demons' effect on like a group of Nazis. We just see them all strung out. That it's been hypothesised that in the original cut we see the demon just slaughter a lot of Nazis. Um, which, I'd like
0: to have seen that. Of course, everyone would have liked to have <laughs> Don't seen that. cut that. Don't cut the good stuff out. <laughs> so, yeah, so
1: Paramount demanded two hours. They got two hours. They did a test screening. The test screening pulled very poorly amongst the test audience. So they cut a further half an hour out of the movie, bringing the movie to just over the hour and a half mark. Um, and Michael Mann wasn't really included at all in that final cut
0: so that's even stranger isn't it you know you you can understand a director being at the helm of removing things but then when the when the guy that basically had that first vision doesn't have anything to do with an extra half an hour being taken out it's like fucking hell they might as well have just thrown it into a blender
1: yeah it's it's, from my point of view it just it speaks to the, the kind of weird disjointedness of the movie um, yeah. I mean it's, it's, well we should say it's directed by Michael Mann, it's based on the novel by F. Paul Wilson, screenplay adapted by Michael Mann movie stars Scott Glenn as Glekin Alberta Watson as Eva Cruz uh, Jürgen Prochnow as Wurman, Robert Prosky, back again as Father Fonschnew, uh, Gabriel Byrne as Kampft Ian McKellen as Dr. Theodore Cousa, um William Morgan Shepard as Alexandra. Um, and Roy Stinton Thickner as... Tomsko, I think there's a lot of weird Romanian names in here, um, and it came out. And came well, we should
0: alternate. We should alternate doing names because I, I think, take the pressure off you a bit.
1: Yeah, my brain's a bit melted. There, next two are handled by you, right? I've decided that right now in this show, next two <laughs> handled by you. Next two episodes, I ain't reading names. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean. Kind of fundamentally, the story is about a group of Nazis that the, the Nazis it's, it's 1941. The Nazis are winning the war at this point, the Second World War. Uh, they're pushing their final offensive on Moscow, which was you know that you know obviously a failed. That was a turning point, really. That's where they fucked themselves. But um, <laughs> their their kind of final pushes towards uh, Mother Russia. Um, to take out the the Soviets and at this point Hitler is very much known for... Hitler was a huge collector in kind of occult symbolism, occult places you know he he targeted a lot of his area and occult artifacts actually but he targeted a lot of his battle areas around claiming areas of religious and occult importance Um, he believed it would add to the power of the Nazis and as a result of this we have some kind of Romanian Nazis uh, headed up by the rather fantastic Jurgen Prochnow arriving at this small Romanian kind of mountainside village which has a temple known as the keep on it and they've been told to go and investigate and hold the keep um, which they do and it's a weird structure. It kind of looks like it's been built inside the mountain. It's this huge stone-faced thing with all these, what the Nazis believe are silver crosses, but they're like weird-shaped silver crosses, buried into the walls. Yeah. Um, but you know the the people that maintain the keep, the religious group, say that they're not, they're nickel, um, and they they cannot be removed for very important reasons which they won't share and we don't find about it till later on um one of the nazi guards believes that one of them is silver he goes to remove it he finds himself on the other end of this huge structure within the keep uh, which is this huge vacant room which ultimately releases a demon of sorts which we're going yeah. we're going to talk about this demon um and the Nazis then start dying one by one. They send out an SOS. Uh, Hitler sends one of his most respected uh, generals, played by the fantastic Gabriel Byrne, mm. um, who's woefully underutilized in this movie. He's fucking great. Um, he he yeah, arrives. He is
0: in this cut. I mean, maybe he was in the, the original cut a lot more, maybe.
1: Uh, I kind of hope he was, because he's a great actor, not to. To use it, and he just really embodies that bastard nazi mentality kind I, yeah. I of love it and um, he <laughs> arrives uh, they investigate more they find that there's there's a language being written on the walls no one can really speak but there's this doctor who's currently in a concentration camp played by sir ian mckellen mm. the, the cast of this movie is fucking nuts it really really is and ian mckellen's playing basically what ian mckellen we go on to play in the X-Men movie. <laughs> yeah. not, not quite Magneto, but he's, he's in a concentration camp. I shouldn't laugh at that, but uh, I couldn't help but think Magneto. He's um, like a cross between Magneto and P- P- uh, Professor Xavier, and that he's also bound to a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. <laughs> uh, so he arrives with a lot of prosthetic makeup, because he's an old man, um, and he is manipulated by the demon to Mm. basically aid him and the gift for doing that is that the demon starts to make him younger yeah um, and kind of heal his ailments and all the rest
0: so uh, they kind of do the exorcist thing don't they where they bring him in looking old and then they I suppose it makes it a lot easier just to strip the makeup off and for the rest of the movie he's all like a young man isn't he
1: yeah he walks around as a, as a very he walks around as a much more realistic young Ian McKellen um, or younger he's still quite old when he made this movie um, so yeah so he he starts aiding the demon um meanwhile we have the, the the father played by robert prosky who is adamant that they do not do anything everyone in the village is telling them don't do anything to upset the
0: keep don't stay i wish they the listen
1: yeah
0: everyone knows you don't fuck around with the citadel
1: <laughs> you don't do it you don't you do, do it. not do
0: it um
1: and then as the as the creature gains more power and a body which once again we're going to come on and talk about Mm. Uh, oh god um it starts it starts to realize that the the nazis are destroying its believers and wreaks an unholy vengeance on the nazis and demands to be set free and that's kind of that's kind of the plot Mm. Um, and you're right it does sound like a movie we should have covered in the video nasties it and it also, like sound, like it,
0: it also sounds like it could it also sounds like it could have been pretty good as well. Like the ingredients there, it has got this really kind of wonderful dream-like quality to it. Yep. Definitely
1: the way it's shot as Which is
0: kind of yeah, not only the way it's shot, but really greatly aided by the Tangerine Dream score. Oh, Again, yeah. um, obviously it's fantastic in Thief. Um I mean there's other films we've talked about and your other show as well that Tangerine Dream have done. Um, mm-hmm. Near Dark. Again, superb score and just kind of highlights how important a good score is in a movie to making a movie really kind of from a, a good movie to a really great movie. It is a very special score and Tangerine Dream are pretty great. I think you kind of introduced me to them because I yep. didn't realise they'd done so much album-wise um, in the 80s and I've got sort of four or five of their albums and it's the kind of thing I'll put on like when I'm on holiday, I'll you know I'll lay on the beach and I'll listen to Tangerine Dream because it's a real kind of, it's it's just great kind of relaxing, creepy music it's immersive
1: um, as well the music's really deep you when you start m- listening to i feel that if you close your eyes you start painting pictures around the in your head and yeah. colors and stuff like that rim the music which i think they do incredibly well with their their synth tracks.
0: So it, it kind of saves this movie a little bit. I mean, there's a, there are a few things that save the movie. The cinematography is great. There's a really creepy sort of otherworldly feel about it and the music. Some of the performances are great. The cast is really strong. Mm-hmm. Some of the performances, although they're a little bit over the top, they're very sort of theatrical and cinematic and kind of work with the subject matter of the movie because it's not really grounded in reality, this film. So you can kind of get away with, a, you know, these eccentric kind of characters. I just don't really know where it goes wrong. It's hard to kind of put your finger on it. It's, I mean, I think the most obvious thing is the fact that it's a three hours worth of film chopped down to 90 minutes and not even fully chopped down by the director. You can understand why it completely loses its way and mm. doesn't really make sense. You know, when you find out just what they did to it and the troubled kind of, you know, the story behind the, the troubled production, you can almost forgive it for being a bit of a fucking jumble because it's kind of not Michael Mann's fault, really.
1: Yeah. Definitely, I think the way I see it is that it, there is so much that feels there's a deliberate tone and pacing to the movie in certain aspects, and other bits feel incredibly rushed. Um, and I, I think that is cutting. I think the the original. You know, however long it was, you know, just just under the three hour mark, or you know, a three hour movie is going to have a deliberate pace throughout, and we're going to get a lot more character development. I feel like characters are introduced. I feel that it's, it's really interesting when when looking at you know, the cast that is associated with this, that Scott Glenn gets quite a high mention in the credits, mm-hmm. and Scott Gl- Glenn's character Glacon, who really is only in the movie total screen time maybe less than ten minutes um I feel there's a whole backstory with him we don't get yeah you know what what how does he know about the keep how does he know the power is getting released and why is he the only one that can stop it mm. um it's never it's never identified it feels really rushed and clumsy with his entrance the same with the inclusion of um Ian McKellen and Alberta Watson's character, the, the kind of father and daughter, they just all of a sudden are in the camp and then at the keep. It I feels rushed. So I feel like we're, we're skipping development to get them to there, you know what I mean? There's like, there's more story that needs to be told there. Um, yeah. The same with the introduction of Gabriel Burns' character. We literally hear that they have sent a letter and then in the next scene, Gabriel Burns' character's there with more Nazis. Yeah. It's... It feels like we are missing transitional pieces of cinema that have been pulled out Mm. to to make the movie tighter in terms of time, but at the detriment to. We talked about how Great Thief was last episode, and we were saying that's a two hour movie that focuses on its character development, focuses on setting things up, but flows. There's a nice flow to that movie where, you know, it it, it is long, but it doesn't feel long. The Keep, ironically, is an hour and a half, but the way it's cut makes it feel longer. It does. It it kind of drags it, and it's, it's a shame. It is a shame.
0: It is a shame, and although we're saying it probably would have benefited from having more footage... I don't want to see any more than an hour and a half of that film. If someone came along and went, right, we've uh, we found a much better version of the keep. The Michael Mann's kind of coming and recutting and it's two and a half hours, I'd say I'm like I don't think I'm interested, mate. I'm sorry. Like it's almost like they've blown it for me now. Yeah. I don't same. care how much they put back in to its original vision. It's it's, it's been spoiled because it just wasn't that it just wasn't that good. I mean, then we might as well talk about the villain. Um, oh
1: god, right, there's demon
0: bearing in mind as well it's like around this kind of era when this film came out you had incredible prosthetics stuff like legend
1: uh-huh. okay,
0: where someone obviously has to spend quite a lot of time in a makeup chair but there's a phenomenal creation that's completely believable unfortunately the villain in this looks like a cross between a fucking skeletor from he-man and a really cheap halloween decoration that you'd get that you put yeah. a couple of double a batteries in and then like and the eyes light up and you would stick it in your front window to scare kids
1: yeah he's it's, it's called Radu Molassar mm. um, and basically the, the story behind him is that he is this evil entity he was imprisoned in the keep centuries ago by Glekin our character that once again we only get like short kind of clips of throughout yeah. the movie and a really awkward horrible sex scene which we'll also talk about um, <laughs> yeah so basically, he feeds on the life force of humans. So basically, he, he d- p- pulls their life force out through their eyes and mouth which is fucking bitching. The special mm. effects of that are, are fucking great. Yeah. Um, and he basically leaves them as kind of husks. Um, he is held in place within the keep because there's a talisman that has been buried in, in there. It's part of the weapon that That's used later on, but he's uh, he's kind of he's kind of imprisoned. This talisman won't allow him to leave the keep unless it's removed. This is what he's trying to get Ian McKellen's character to do. Is he's trying to get him to remove this this you know talisman out with the grims, which will ultimately release him. Um, In the novel, uh, he's supposed to be like a a kind of version of a vampire. Um, it was obviously adapted into more of a kind of omniscient sort of entity. Yeah. The, the, the Apparently a lot of the reshoots for this movie, it was supposed to be shot, I think principal phot- photographer for the movie was like 13 weeks. Um, okay. And it ultimately ended up running to 22 weeks because of reshoots. And a lot of the reshoots were on the basis that Michael Mann did not like the way the creature looked at all. So they kept shooting things. He, just, he wasn't happy okay at all
0: and well that's good to you know at least he uh at least yeah you know, he's not he's not completely to blame then
1: it, it looks like a weird like you're right it, it looks like he looks like a villain from he-man he's like mm. it's like this massive kind of arnold schwarzenegger-esque bodybuilder's body with this weird molded plastic head with mm. these red eyes uh, that glow um and, and we're talking, I would say and I might get some shit for this I, I would say we're talking about a similar sort of impact in the creature design as something like Rawhead Rex yeah, um, it, it's, really, it's, it is that bad, it really is Yeah, which is weird because the special effects for this were done by Nick Mailey, um and Nick Adler who worked on Alien and the Empire Strikes Back
0: Right, well it just didn't make any sense, does it? You
1: know what I mean? It's, it just it doesn't I, I, is, there's something far creepier about this when it is just smoke and lights killing people than when we start to get a body for it. When the body starts arriving, that's when I I, I really just I, is is almost laughable. Mm. Um, although he is kind of badass when he you know he, he grabs uh, Gabriel Byrne's character later on who thinks he can. Gabriel Byrne's brilliant in this because there's a great scene where he picks up the like a cross one of the crosses from the wall and he holds it in front of him and he's begging for his life like t- terrified begging for his life until yeah. um the the entity so to speak stops when he sees the cross mm. and you see the prickish nature of that character who now thinks he has upper hand and gabriel burn then his posture and everything changes to this superiority of ah, i've got your weakness eh? you're not as strong and this entity grabs a cross off him, flings it on the ground, picks him off the ground by his throat, and then <laughs> sucks his life force out his eyes and then throws the body down if it's fuck all. And yeah. that's great. You know, scenes that's like cool. that, I'm, I'm genuinely... I love... There is a weird creep in it. Do you know what it reminded me, Andy, while watching it this time through?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, this is the sort of movie that only an American could make. I can, this is like the American remake of The Beyond. <laughs> Right, because try, yeah. there are certain scenes in here which are, v- to see very much in the, the wheelhouse of someone like Fulci. Like, the scene with the vacant space in the centre of the keep is, like, from the beyond. It's like the mm. purgatory scene. The scene of all the Nazis being strewn over the vehicles with the, the kind of fogginess across the ground as the camera pulls back out of this desolated waste area is, once yeah. again, very much the beyond. Yeah, yeah. So it has the weirdness of the Beyond. It just doesn't have any of the quirkiness that makes the Beyond a great fucking movie. You know what I mean? Mm. It doesn't have any of the horror. This is a horror movie minus the horror. Really, yeah. it, it deals with with weird subject matter, which, like you say, there is an amazing movie or an amazing story somewhere in this with this kind of Nazi pursuit. I mean, when you look at movies like um, Outpost. Which which involves mercenaries coming across this, uh, you know, this test site for occultist Nazis, mm. and there's a mythology and a creepiness around there that works. And the Nazis did do this; they did go out, Not the Nazis found to keep um, and almost brought about the end of the world, but the Nazis did like legitimately research and try to conquer areas of of occult importance because they believed that they could harness potential mystical, magical energy to make them the most dominant race. Pretty fucking
0: cool if they weren't such arseholes about it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? It's like it's, Part of me wishes that they'd done it through tantric sex or something like that, instead of, you know, mass genocide. But, um, this, there is a story in here which is really cool, but it's handled so, so weird in the edit that it It detracts from like you said if someone told me tomorrow that they'd managed to put together the original Michael Mann cut of this movie I wouldn't rush to see it because I've seen the condensed version of it and it doesn't really work for me and even if the elongated version works for me I still know that in that movie there is a shorter cut which doesn't work for me
0: so I think <laughs> the problem is it's quite almost goofy subject matter but mm-hmm. takes itself so fucking serious. Very
1: serious movie. Very serious movie.
0: It's like it's almost weird, isn't it? That someone didn't have the foresight to go look how serious we're being about quite a silly concept. It, like it doesn't really match up. And I think that's why a lot of these kind of '80s films do work, is because they don't take themselves really seriously and this film unfortunately does um, but it's a Michael Mann film so yeah maybe it should be serious but the subject matter just doesn't it doesn't match that especially when the goofy villain turns up and I know it's not supposed to be goofy but it is and there's no getting away from that and there's no getting away almost laughing when it appears on screen A yeah. moment which should have had quite a lot of impact and quite a weighty kind of you know the, the, the grand entrance of this villain and you just kind of snigger because it looks a bit shit.
1: It's the weirdness so. of it and his filmography. You know what I mean yeah. as well? I, I mean, if you look at his filmography, the the way it stands just now, this is the only movie of its type.
0: It's the only one that deals in... I think he learned his lesson, really. Yeah. What a strange choice as well. I, I, what a, but bizarre must... choice. Cause a lot of Because a lot of directors will dip their toe in horror. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what he was deliberately meaning to do. Maybe he realized horror was quite big in the early 80s, so he just wanted to jump on that bandwagon and and give it a go. But I don't know what he was thinking, really.
1: It's, yeah, it's, I think, watching it as well, I think that you look at, You, he must have seen like known Michael Mann the way that we're going to get to know him over the next few while, and his involvement with projects and the the meticulous nature of him going down the road of you know research, development, all these things he goes through. There must have been something in here that man was like this. You know, this could make a really interesting movie, and this this could work. And what what for whatever reason it didn't transfer from his brain. To what we see on the screen, there is mm-hmm. something. There is a weird disconnect that unfortunately means that you just that there's nothing I can anchor onto in the the story. And it's not because the acting isn't good, because the acting is good. Yeah. It's not because it isn't shot well, because like you say, there is a weird woozy dreamlike quality, which mm. which kind of covers this entire movie, which I love. So it's not the way it's shot. The score mm. is fucking bitching. The Tangerine Dream score. Is very, it's completely different from Thief but it works again here it's more mystical it's you know very airy, very spacey that totally works as well mm. The creature is goofy but I've watched movies with goofy creatures and found myself gravitating towards them more than this yeah. I think you're right I think it is tone that kind of sabotages this movie I think there are plenty of movies around this time period that are far goofier that do things far worse that I like more because the tone, the movie knows it's just a silly horror movie so plays yeah. into that. Yeah. Whereas this one has this lofty heights to be like the Citizen Kane of of kind of Nazi demon horror. <laughs> um, mm. And, you know, the, the, the elements just... Those serious tones, unfortunately, kind of detract from, from what the movie is trying to do, I think. And... Like we see it's that I was reading um a couple of really funny things about this movie and the first one was that you know man has for all intents and purposes disowned this movie he doesn't yeah. really talk about it doesn't really want to talk about it and the the, the movie bombed um I, I didn't i I really really didn't do well at all. um mm. I mean his his budget is an estimated six million at the time. Yeah. So you're talking like like early 80s. His box office was half that. Okay. Um, it was released like close to Christmas. Don't understand the. Uh, I don't. I really don't. Paramount have a lot of questions. To kind of answer themselves. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, I. I I, I kind of lacks. It lacks a, an idea of when to put it out, it lacks an idea of what it's market is, it lacks his idea of, I mean listen to some of these, some of these are fucking brilliant, um, these are some of the reviews that came out at the time, so this is the LA Weekly said, uh, the keep can't always keep its many moving parts lockstep, So it obscures with more of its enigmatic characters Mm. whose precise dealings with one another are never actually made any clear at all, man's rare ability to elevate ostensibly schlocky material into something dark and majestic so overshadowed Um, the the, the author uh, hates the film version he says it's visually intriguing but otherwise utterly incomprehensible
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Michael Mann disowned the movie in 2009 in an interview he said that the production time uh, production design and the form of the film were in much better shape than the content which is why he likes it for those aspects but those alone
0: okay. um,
1: the movie like has a huge cult following surprise surprise Andy yeah there's a cult of following out there for this movie. Okay. That are determined through petitions to try and get the original cut of the movie made to Blu-ray. I'm going to tell you right now that will never happen.
0: I will not be signing that petition, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll, but it will never happen, though. It'll, there no. is not enough drive. I think maybe an Arrow video out there or a Criterion. If the footage is there, maybe has the gumption for it, but this would be a limited release. You'd
0: be talking about Um Michael Mann trying to do a Kubrick after seeing how, what he did with the shining and thought, oh, I reckon I can have a go at a horror uh, film. I think you're
1: you're you are you are you have got the right director but wrong movie. I genuinely think Michael Mann was trying to do a two thousand and one this a space odyssey with this one. There really? are f- yeah, I think there are feels to, to, to the movie, especially in the way it's shot, the score in certain segment so when i think about 2001 a space odyssey the idea of the monolith at you know at the center of time and evolution and space and mm. then this idea of the keep being the structure in the center of you know this mystical entity which transcends time and space i think it, the, there are there are vibes that way but yeah i i, I don't know I, I don't know i think michael mann is an infinitely fascinating filmmaker who, in his next movie, delivers a horror movie of sorts. I think Manhunter is, for all intents and purposes, a horror movie because it deals with a serial killer in the Tooth Fairy fairy who is incredibly creepy. Um, So he kind of does it in his next movie, um, but the next movie is based off a work which isn't his... um, and and you know gives his iconic characters like Cannibal Lecter and the theory Fairy in a way which and it feels more like a Michael Mann movie. It's grounded in reality. This one is far more supernatural for a director. I think who's very good at showing the working parts of things um, yep. than than trying to explain kind of ostensibly occult. I can, iconology or iconography. I think I, I think that's I think that's maybe where it kinda of falls down. I think this was maybe a, a huge grand project that Michael Mann wanted to do. I think if he'd sat down with Paramount and said, I want to make a three-hour movie about Nazis finding a, a buried demon in the middle of a I think I think right from the start Paramount would have said to him, No, it needs to be an hour and a half. Yeah. And I think had that had happened at the start, I don't think we would have had these issues because he would have made the movie an hour and a half we um, would have made the script work instead what we get is a script which is double the length and a story which is double the length which has been cut in half it doesn't yeah.
0: work, it's, work. Never gonna, it's never going to work is it? it doesn't matter how good the director you are and that, this kind of proves it, you've got Michael Mann it's not going to fucking work so yeah I almost feel a bit bad for him, Like this is kind of this is the shitty little tattoo on your foot that you wish you never had when the rest <laughs> of you covered in superb artwork isn't it? <laughs> This is, the, this is the, the the Chinese symbol
1: which you've now found out means special fried rice and prawn crackers on your exactly chest. Exactly, right.
0: mate. You know, anything half for fuck's sake. Right?
1: <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird blip and he's his, his filmography. Mm. And th- there are elements that I really like about it, though, and I think my score is not going to be the damning condemnation that people might expect from what we were saying, but... There are elements that I think are really cool and if we're given technical grades to the movie, it'll score probably higher from a technical point of view than yeah. it will from an actual movie point of view. From
0: an enjoyment point of view, yeah. I mean, this doesn't score very high for me at oh, all, but there are a lot of ingredients um, mm. that you've obviously got to, we've got to give it credit for that even if the final product isn't really that great.
1: Yeah, I, I think you made, like I say, you made the valid point at the start there that had this been Michael Mann's first movie, and half of these movies that we're going to go on and discuss later on, in this would never have happened. It would never have had the. He would never. Had this been his first movie, there is no way he would have made heat with Pacino and De Niro. No, no way. Which
0: would have been an absolute travesty.
1: Yeah, yeah there's no no way that would have happened, and we need to we need to we need to take that in account. This movie is a stumbling block, but by God, what he comes out with next is. Is a game changer in cinema. Um, I I mean, I feel like we've flown through this review. I really do, but Mm. there isn't a lot I can say about it. I just think it's a hot mess of a movie.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we've talked about it more longer than I thought we'd be able to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there are going to be certain movie reviews for this show that we're going to spend ages on, and others that we're just going to be like, "Well, it's a movie." which this one kind of is. Um, yeah. How do you grade it out of ten, Andy?
0: For me, like I say, from an enjoyment point of view, I think if I was um, like to giving it a five-star Netflix-style review, I'd probably not. I'd probably give it a two.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't really enjoy. It. I'll probably never watch this movie again. Um, from a technical point of view, the ingredients are there. Um, you know you have got strong actors Um, the majority of those give as good a performance as they could given you know given the subject matter and the script Um, it's really well shot and it has got that real like dream like quality that i really enjoy in a film i can almost forgive a film not carrying that you know not giving you that much pace you know and that much story if it's almost giving me a feeling of kind of a weird you know ethereal kind of Dream like feel followed by some kind of dread, because I kinda of don't know what's gonna happen next and it's a bit a little bit exciting maybe. Um and it, it has got that and the score really certainly helps with that. So I'm gonna give it a six.
1: That's exactly the score that I'm giving it, funnily okay. enough. Um yeah, for pretty much the same reasons you've just said. I think that there are the working parts are, you know, of a, of a of a great standard, of uh you know, maybe not the the pinnacle of Michael Mann's Output, but I think that the, the actual working parts are all there, and that they're all doing their job correctly. It's just the way they've been constructed into a movie that just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. There is no enjoyment in this movie at all. I'd like we were talking about in the previous movie, those iconic shots that man does in his movies, where the camera will pull out, you get that music in the background, and it's it's triumphant. It's the it's the cinematic standing ovation to, to a great piece of work. And this movie finishes and I'm just like, pff, feel deflated, feel like I wasted a bit of an hour and a half. And yeah. I know that there is a love for this movie and there's it is quirky and there's a cult of people out there that enjoy it for its quirkiness. I just can't get on board with that at all. So, okay, since, and I think it
0: probably doesn't help that I never have seen really watch this before. Yeah. If I've watched it when I was a little bit younger, I might forgive it, um, you know, some of these things that we've talked about. But coming in in 2016 and watching it for the first time, especially followed by an absolutely fucking storming first movie by this director, Yeah. it's just left me feeling cold.
1: Yeah, as as, as yeah. I, I, uh, if you're wanting to watch it, watch it. I would I would say if you're a completist, then it's, it's definitely one you want to check off. Chances are you may have already seen this movie a long time ago during the, the VHS boom.
0: Yeah, and you might not remember until it's on and half an hour in, you'll go, "Oh fucking hell, yeah!" Because there were the little bits of it that I kind of thought maybe I have seen it before. Yeah, it would have been so long ago that I literally don't remember anything about it. So that might happen. You probably caught it on the telly in the eighties or nineties, maybe yeah
1: mm-hmm. I, there's no doubt that a lot of people have seen this movie and forgotten all about it and yeah. that's maybe not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. um right so in terms of the final question that we ask on opera omnia is as it's currently standing just now fifa is his best movie and i think, <laughs> I, think I was gonna say i think uh, i think as it stands just now we're sticking with that we're not changing that are we
0: well we're not and, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean The Keep I mean The Keep is, is a bit shit but that's everything you know th- we're going to struggle to be honest to find a movie that tops Thief for me yeah. I was blown away by it um, obviously I talked about it on the last episode you know it had, that miss- it had that vital ingredient that really pushes a film from a good movie to a, a fantastic movie and that was an emotional weight you know he had a lot of heart and it had quite there's a a lot of very emotional scenes that I could really connect with um so we might struggle to find a film for a good while that's better than Thief um but even if we had have watched I don't know fucking Evil Speak last episode unfortunately there still was not you know this this film probably still isn't as good which is unfortunate um, but like you say it is probably just a little blip because we're coming back with a, another stormy movie next episode
1: oh yeah yeah well what we'll do is we'll jump out just now um, and you'll hear some promos for shows on the Legion Podcast Network and when we come back we can get into that we can tell the people what lovely film we have coming up next um, myself and Andy right back right after this Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one
0: with the two guys with the beards?
1: Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav.
0: Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of the strange, where they look at weird things from around the world.
1: Sometimes they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies
0: and talk about them. Hmm. Do
1: you have a boyfriend?
0: Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com,
1: Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So you going to ask me out. And welcome back. So you just heard episode number two, season one of Opera Omnia and we looked at The Keep from 1983. And whilst it wasn't the greatest Michael Mann movie in the world, uh, we had to get through that in order to to progress ourselves to the next episode, episode three, which will be out in two weeks time. And, and what movie are we discussing on that one, Andy?
0: Well, this is uh, this first screen incarnation of Hannibal Lecter um, in Manhunter from 1986. I can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be good because for me, for a lot of people, you know, Anthony Hopkins was was sort of the Hannibal that people remember. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that in 1986 we had a different incarnation of him. And we also had a different incarnation of will graham who's obviously now incredibly kind of in the public you know in people's minds eye because of the hannibal tv series yeah and um, but this kind of goes right back and this gives us the first ever look at will graham and the tooth fairy and hannibal lecter um in a really good sort of horror crime thriller from the 80s yeah and it's manhunter and i'm really looking forward to watching this one again
1: yeah i can't wait because there's so many things about the movie that are just infinitely fascinating mm. um and you, you mentioned it that like a lot of people don't know that Brian Cox, the the great Scottish actor, um, was the first Hannibal Lecter, and they spell Lecter differently. They spell it with a K, and not a C, in the movie because they were trying to be edgy. Um, <laughs> wow. And yeah, and the the wait, there's so many stories about how that movie one became known as Manhunter and not Red Dragon, um, and two some of the weird choices in advertising for that movie mm. um, and I, I, I think the thing is Manhunter of all these movies, Manhunter might be one of these most influential because yeah. it's really one of the first movies that kind of details the the idea of the FBI criminal profiler.
0: Yeah and the serial killer, I mean, brutal, brutal serial killer in this as well.
1: Yeah, two fairies grim, and Tom Noonan's like, w- as much as I like Ralph Fiennes um adaptation you know in the red dragon remake it's about one of the only things i like mm. in the, the the kind of the red dragon movie of the the 2000s yeah uh, as much as you know I, I like his performance as i i think tom noonan is just one of the creepiest on-screen presences ever um so it it terrifies me as a tooth fairy so yeah i cannot wait Cannot wait to get into that movie and the gods be smiling on me I should have the screen factory blu-ray by the time we come to record that so I can binge myself on, on All those manhuntery goodness. Oh, yeah I um, cannot fucking wait to get into that movie Um But before we do that Andy it's worthwhile throwing out some uh, some fantastic shout outs at the end of this show uh, if you listened to our previous episode and you dug our intro and outro music uh, you will have heard it again on this show you're about to hear the outro music um, you can go and check out the guy who composed that music he's a, a, a chap by the name of Dan who goes under the pseudonym Cryocon Um, you can find him on SoundCloud Uh, just type in Cryocon Uh, but he has some links that I have said to him that I'm going to shout at in every single show because he uh, adapted one of his works for intro and outro music and I fucking love it Um, so you can go and check out his work and throw him a couple of bucks towards his music at cryocon.bandcamp.com or visit his Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash cryocon that's c-r-y-o-c-o-n and once again a big thanks to legion podcast network for hosting this show myself and Andy are going to be here every two weeks um well, covering michael Mann yeah or yeah or fortnite yay <laughs> fortnite 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 um covering the works of michael man like we say is 11 movies we're two movies in now which means we have nine episodes left after this at which time we'll take a short break um and we will uh, we will pick up <laughs> another director and go headlong in with their works as well yeah. um, but you can suggest what the next director is to us we're not saying that we'll definitely do it but you can suggest it through our Facebook group page interact with us over there and also let us know have you been checking out the Michael Mann movies what did you make in The Keep? Did you watch it? What, what did you think of it? In order to do that go across to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash opera omnia um, and let us know genuinely I, can, I think I can speak for both of us here Andy we are excited to know if there's anyone that has mad love for this movie and why
0: yeah we uh, we won't be horrible to you just come and tell us what you think we're uh, interested to know
1: yeah we, 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 we're we missing something here and I, I think I think you may have hit the nail on the head Andy I think this might be one of those nostalgic things in that you saw it at a, pivotal age and you kind of latched
0: on it yeah and if that's the case then uh, fair play to you because there's a hell of a lot of uh, films that I don't think are particularly great but I fucking love them because I watched them when I was younger and that's uh, that's just the power of nostalgia isn't
1: it it is indeed it is indeed I once again go back to the aforementioned Rawhead Rex not a good movie (laughs) fucking love it (laughs) absolutely love it not a good movie yeah um, but yeah so we we have a ton of fantastic movies still to cover in this Opera Omnia you can leave us feedback on our iTunes link it really helps the show the more of it we get for example if it's five stars in the feedback the higher up the ratings we get pushed and you can check out this show either on the Legion podcast feed or on our exclusive feed type in Opera Omnia into iTunes you'll get our feed come across subscribe to our work Um and that's all i've got to say about that it's been it's been cool getting these first two movies down we can let you peek behind the curtain these were recorded pretty much back to back and uh, i think it's a model we'll be moving towards further down the line just to maximize our recording times so yeah putting these two movies side by side together has been a weird experience
0: Mm. yeah
1: strange very 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 strange thief though Um. thief
0: Andy. Oh, that's oh, the problem, well. isn't it? Thief is incredible, and hidden, they, they, I keep calling it the hidden. Why do I keep calling it the fucking hidden?
1: Because there is a horror movie which is very similar to this called The Hidden.
0: <laughs> so there you go, then.
1: That's right. Uh, right. So uh, I think at this time it's time for us to say goodbye to our listeners. Andy, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please? Bye, listeners.
0: Thanks for hanging in there on this one. And we will see you in a couple of weeks for an absolute stormer
1: yeah we're returning two weeks time manhunter this is duncan from opera omnia
0: saying bye